Okay, I think we're here. Hi, Lara Marie. Oh, hi. <laughs> I don't even really, I was thinking about like a proper introduction for you and I was like, how do I even, um, I mean, aside from being one of my best friends, work wife extraordinaire, uh, graphic designer, web designer, um, expert talking off the ledger. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what else do you do? What else do you actually do? I mean, I paint. That's oh, expert painter. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't say expert. I'm a hobbyist. I, I would say. All right. <laughs> I'm a mom. She's a mom. Um, I'm a mom of two kids. One on the spectrum. One is five months old so you know we never know you, you never know you never actually um, know and you really never know except I did know right away with Oliver but we'll get into that well I'm um, curious too like I mean okay so for those people that like maybe don't know how you know like think we're kind of moving away from using the word um autistic as like a broad stroke sort of uh, marker for folks and so like if you were to be having a conversation similarly to the one that we're going to have about you and your baby I mean what how are you explaining that to folks that you're on the spectrum I mean, yeah I think that I it's people get it and it's a little bit easier on me if I you know like I will refer to myself as autistic all the time but I'm very different than Oliver like I was diagnosed as an adult Oliver was diagnosed as a child I mean there's a lot of different um, idiosyncrasies I think with the language that some people mind some people don't mind I personally don't care about the word autistic I you know that's how I do now it's part of who I am and part of my identity but we, you know, I would say we're both on the spectrum. The spectrum is very large and big, and you know, there are lots of different, um, you know, ways to um, kind of feel a part of that, I guess. Like, or not feel a part of it, but be a part of it. Um, I have had exposure to kids on the spectrum since I was very, very, very young. Um, I worked, I was a camp counselor actually at a one-on-one -on -one camp for kids with special needs. Um, and I definitely learned how big the spectrum is from that experience. Um, I was with a couple of kids, different kids. Um, one was nonverbal. One was hyperverbal and like extremely with it and very functional. Um, and that's how my son is. My son is classified as 2E, which means twice exceptional. Um, he is brilliant. I mean, like without feeling like I'm being a braggy mom, um, he's very, very smart. Um, I can attest to this. So, you know, mom. And, uh, <laughs> and hyper, he hyper focuses on certain things. Um, but also the other exception is that he is highly excitable. He flaps. He has tics. Um, and I think that, like, it's really great that right now he's growing up in a time where he doesn't have to mask those tics. He's also in, a, we're fortunate enough that he is in a school that he definitely doesn't have to make those kind of, um, you know, adjustments um, like I did. 
to his personality um, and the, the way that he processes things because they're very understanding of it. There's kids that are in the spectrum. At his school, there's many kids that are high-functioning on the spectrum um, because it's a school for gifted kids. So um, I definitely, you know, um, I'm very, very thankful that we're, we're in a time now where Ollie doesn't have to modulate um, parts of his personality that, frankly, I think are so cute. I love when he has, like, when he flaps because I know what it means, which means right. he's so excited about something. Like, and it's so sweet, like, because he does it a lot because now he has a younger brother, which he's been wanting a sibling forever and ever. And, you know, he gets so excited when his brother does something really cute and he'll flap and I'm like, oh, my God, you're the cutest thing in the world. Um, I love him, but yeah, I mean, as far as like processing, I think that that's kind of what what most is going to be most relevant for us to talk about in terms of like this podcast, your, um, you know, like who's listening, um, is that like everybody processes different. I did have to we call it masking or modulate like certain behaviors that I had um, growing up because they were just viewed as me being, you know, having too much energy or, you know, um, just being too outspoken or not like knowing, you know, being self-aware. And that's not the case. I'm actually extremely, very, very, hyper self-aware person um and um i think maybe part of it is i am hyper self-aware because i had to be um and you know that is where i cook a lot i mean it is definitely a time where because there is instructions and again it's a spectrum so like for me lists instructions um, certain kinds of visual structure and structures that um, I can follow along with are like a relief to me. Super helpful. Okay, so just There's, to it's like just so we can tell everybody what we're doing, we're going to talk about cooking and what it's like to be in the kitchen as somebody that's autistic or on the spectrum or neurodivergent, what it's yeah. like to exist in that space, what it's like to cook for a family what it looks like to cook for yourself, and then what it also looks like to have a child that's on the spectrum and potentially wanting to incorporate them in the kitchen with you as well. So, like and I said. And all the, like, are, editing. Go ahead. No, like, editing, too. Like, Ollie has different textural issues. So, like, cooking for a family, but also for a family that includes a kid that's on the spectrum. So it's very, it's a different experience, I, th- I would imagine. <laughs> well, and uh, I think that that's, uh, that's where I wanted to go with this. So like I said, here we are just having this casual conversation and people are like, the fuck does this have to do with butter and cooking? Hello? This is what it has to do. But we love butter. That's because we both love butter. The end. <laughs> Put your seatbelt on. That's what we're doing. We're going to talk about, again, what it's like to be on the spectrum, and be in the kitchen. So with that, as you were just saying, that having structure in your kitchen, and that's helpful to you personally. Right? Very, very helpful. Yeah, it helps me. So, like, as somebody that is neurodivergent, um, I, my mind 
often bounces many, many different directions, places, all over the place. Um, it actually is something that I've learned to cope with in terms of um, in terms of my work. Like I can multitask like a mother effer um, because of that. But also like daily executive function things are harder for me because unless I put a structure in place for to follow, it's just kind of like oh we're just going along our day and this is like around the time that we do this and this is around the time that we do that. Um, when I'm in the kitchen and whether I am following a recipe or adapting a recipe or, um, you know, following instructions, it's something that allows me to kind of shut my brain off in a way um, and trust my senses, like my sense of smell and to taste things and be looking at texture, and it's something that's like all encompassing for me. So right. it's always been definitely like a, a place for me to feel a little bit more normal. Right. <laughs> um, and um, so you know, and I definitely have short-term and long-term memory issues um, as part of like how I process information. So recipes are super helpful for me um, in that way as well. And then I almost always riff. I know you and I are similar this way. Like I, nothing is always going to be exactly the same ever unless I'm, you know, doing it for like somebody asked exactly the same thing. Um, even like my great-grandmother's sauce, which I cook probably every week because it's the boy's favorite thing to eat. Um, I always, it's never, I never measure. I never... Like, it's always a roundabout thing. And that, to me, is as funny as it sounds, is a way to, like, cut loose and feel free. Like, I'm diverging from the recipe a little bit, which sounds hilarious. <laughs> I'm real going rogue. I'm real crazy in the kitchen. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's something that is really uh, a release for me. And, you know, I I love cooking because of that. Um, so in terms of thing though, because we're like, um, you know, you and I are similar in the ways of like, uh, if you've been following along, okay. From the very beginning, I have used cooking and or baking as like a means to cope, right. Or like another form of therapy essentially. And so in all of the same ways that I sort of find reprieve in the kitchen in terms of like, I can, turn my brain off. I can like kind of sink back in into my body and kind of own that and embody what it's like to be inside of me and use other senses and kind of settle into that. I think that that's also, and I hate, I know what you mean, but like, we're not going to say what it's like to be quote unquote normal. I mean, you can call well, it. Oh yeah, thing. exactly. It's, I don't have to make an adjustment. In other words, like I, right. I can just truly trust what's in front of me and my my own self, and and kind of because being on the spectrum, a lot of it is questioning literally everything you do, like right. everything I do. I'm like, oh, is was that weird? Are people going to understand me? Are people going to, you know, like I different, I I have a different way of processing processing and thinking so and I know I've even said it to you and we're, we talk multiple times a day we every day like all day long all day long um and you're probably one of the people that understands me the best 
and I still will be like, I just want to make sure that you're understanding me. Like, even with the people that are closest to me in my life, I still have to worry about that. And I know, like, for Ollie, um, like, to just touch on, like, that is definitely one of my goals is to free him a little bit of that worry because, I think the worry stems from the fact that I wasn't diagnosed as a child, that, like, I had to really come up with coping tactics and deal with a lot of feedback from people that that really didn't understand me, that really didn't understand where I was coming from or why I jump from thought to thought in such an abrupt way sometimes. I mean, let's be honest. Because uh, for, for 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 people that have been hanging out at least for a minute, uh, several things that I talked about on this podcast is how um, Hannah, one of my close, another very close friend of mine, um, who is a therapist, actually, she said it best when she told me that I explain things bottom to top instead of top to bottom. And just for the record, I've never, I've never had any sort of spectrum diagnosis. So uh, I'm capable of doing that all on my own. (laughs) The end. I know. So about a lot with the holidays and I think just kind of in in general, um, you know, given given kind of like my own at-home circumstances with the babies and that sort of thing. The last few episodes we've been talking a lot about getting your kids involved in the kitchen and, you know, what that looks like for me and how I approach that. And I yeah. if that's a thing that, number one, if Ollie is even interested in it, right? Because last week um, I got an email, somebody was asking, you know, like, what are some things that I can do to get my kids interested? And then oh, yeah. um, what are some, you know, what are some projects? What are some actual tasks? And for me, regardless of whether or not you have a child that's on the spectrum, I think that it's really important to like honor and acknowledge where your kids are at in terms of interest level in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll never forget. Oh, for sure. I mean. And being like, fuck this. Like I gouge my eyes out and go hiking. It's now one of my most favorite activities, as you know, but like, if my kids are not, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't have children on the spectrum. You know what I'm saying? And so right. I still approach, I love being in the kitchen. It's absolutely something that I want to involve both of my kids in. But I try to be really mindful of, you know, what sort of push and pull I'm willing to do with them. I mean, Maddox is so young, but, you know, Scarlet's five. And while I try to include her in on some things, I also honor the fact that, like, Number one, a five-year-old's attention span is that of a right, exactly that of a five-year-old. Weird. <laughs> but I also, um, like, I mean, if she shows interest, I'm like, come on. But as soon as she loses interest, even if it kind of bums me out personally, I just kind of let her have it. And I'm wondering if you find things similarly with Ollie, or if that's even something that y'all have been kind of walking through yet at this point. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, Ollie, I, I don't think I've said this yet, is nine. So he's a little bit older than Scarlett. Um, he's in fourth grade. Um, and so for a while now, we, I mean, since he was very little, 
we play chef and sous chef. Like, right. he loves to know, like, to have, like, a job always. Um, but the hard thing for me as somebody that is neurodivergent, managing a neurodivergent child in the kitchen is that I oftentimes will get hyper-focused on stuff, and, like, a lot of it is organic for me. Like, how does this feel? How does it smell? How does it taste? And when I have to be managing Oliver at the same time in the kitchen, it makes things a little more difficult for me. I mean, obviously, like, I'm a parent, so if he has an interest, obviously, I suck it up and, and that's how things go. But I will say, like, instead of being a little bit more creative in the kitchen, it definitely is going to be something that's, like, more recipe-driven. And we're measuring out and because that's something that Oliver is very good at. He's very precise. He, he likes how, thing, you know, to do things in a precise way. So and the, the, the hard part about that is if we diverge from that precision, he's liable to have... A behavioral like behavioral feedback for that right so like if I'm like I do a heaping tablespoon of something and I don't level it off and like in he has a way in his head that he thinks something should go and if it diverges from that then I could have a behavioral repercussion for that so like that could look like getting very frustrated stopping what we're doing in the middle and having to have like a conversation where I talk him down um, like, you know, like it can be very frustrating for him as much as he does want to be involved. And we do watch shows like MasterChef Junior or even regular MasterChef and like he loves watching it. And I think, you know, it's, and he does ask to be, you know, can we do, can I be your sous chef? And I'm like, yeah, totally. Like this is definitely a recipe that we can do that, but I do have to pick and choose. Like, it can't just be like, yes, you're always going to be by my side in the kitchen. Right. Because it can be frustrating for both of us, and, like, I don't want to ever want to put him in that kind of a position. Well, um, like I said, you know, I think that it it doesn't – this is like a, a, a mom-slash-parent type thing. You know what I'm saying? For like, sure, yeah, is, for sure. Regardless of whether or not, you know, you have um you or your you know, yourself or your kids are on the spectrum, I think at the end of the day, it's that's like some mom shit. You know what I mean? Like that is some deep it's some deep mom shit. Yeah. <laughs> There's some mom shit because I you know, like I don't necessarily have to worry about Number one, I have somebody that is not consistently reading right, so she would have no fucking clue if I was like, well, we're just going to pour, pour something. Oh, because I know Ollie is a person, and obviously he is reading and has been reading for some time. I could see how that would be overwhelming to him to sort of like divert from the original plan. And then oh, yeah. That's knowing the you thing. Knowing you as well as I do, I also know how frustrating it is. And again, regardless, right, like when our kids get hung up on a certain outcome or how things should be or when they get this idea in their head of like what things should specifically look like and then they suddenly don't, the fallout from that, you're just like, fuck it. We're eating grilled cheese. There is no sous chef. Literally driving to Taco Bell as we speak. Yes. Exactly. Like, it truly, I'm like, I give up, and that's all there is. Amen. Like, I can't, like, there's not, 
it's just going to be a total, I'm like, okay, well, we're going to just short circuit and we'll deal with this later. It's fine. Are, um, you, are you guys in a position or at a, like, has he shown enough interest <clears throat> so far that, you know, allowing him to sort of be in the kitchen solo, is that a thing that y'all are doing or not yet? Not yet. Okay. No, because she's very forgetful. So, like, I, uh, so, okay, so yes and no then, actually. So if he is going to, no cook, I wouldn't say any cooking per se, but, like, he can put a sandwich together. He can do a PB&J for himself. He can get himself the yogurt, you know, like, I mean, those kind of things, <laughs> yes. But, uh, like, I'll make, he can make his own bowl, bowl of cereal. That's something that I don't care about. Um, anything that involves turning the stove on is going to be a hard no on the solo operations for my son. Yeah, he, but I think, he's, I think that's important to note, though, right? It's because, like, for example, um, I mean, I did. I don't I, – I look back. I, I started being in the kitchen unsupervised at Scarlett's age, okay? So if you can – Oh, yeah, no. I think every kid is so different. That's the thing. Hey, like, well, if you know your kid, yeah. That's the thing. Is like when I think about, like, would I let Scarlett, like, in the kitchen? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, know. I can't. I, mean, I know. But – I think that this is like a conversation around executive function, though, more than anything, right? Like, absolutely. Listen, if I didn't tell my kid he has to put his shoes on to go to school, he would literally walk out of the door without shoes on. So, I mean, I think that that goes back to it's more, you know, this is the this is specific to what we're talking about in this episode, as far as like. You know, what are our capabilities? What are the reasons that we are in the kitchen? And then as a as a parent, you know, to to somebody that is also on the spectrum, you know, like this is all about, number one, knowing that kids all have different kinds of abilities and no matter their age, they're always at a different place, right? But totally. <laughs> have two folks that, you know, both have their own issues with executive function, right? Like you're, no, I can absolutely see why turning Oliver in the kitchen with like a knife and a hot pan is me. God bless America. It would be a situation, <laughs> it would be a situation, okay? Like truly, I love him to death. He means so well. He has the best heart in the world. I know he would probably, you know, Love it, but I would be a nervous wreck. I would be hovering every over every single, like I would just be a nervous wreck. It would be it really would be bad. Fun for anybody at that point. It would be like the idea of wanting to be in the kitchen and have creative freedom. Now at this point, is fucked for Oliver. And also, you're like hyperventilating into a paper bag. <laughs> Literally, like having to take a walk around the block. Like it would be really serious. So. That's, I mean, you know, that's something that I know Ollie, I know, like, and James and I have talked about, my partner, James and I have talked about, you know, when we think that is going to be the right time because, you know, we do watch MasterChef and MasterChef Junior and you see these kids, like, making a perfect fucking souffle and I'm like, and, like, cooking, (laughs) like, like, fucking filet of soul. I'm like, what? Like, they're younger than Ollie. Like, okay, well, I mean, like, that's just a different, you know, it's just a different scenario um, because it's just not what's going to be appropriate for him. The other thing is, too, like, 
like, here's, I'm going to tell you, the big thing, I think, especially with Oliver, and I am to, to a certain amount as well, is that a lot of people that are neurodivergent or on the spectrum are very textural eaters. Right. And so, like, making a, like, I will tell you, it is my dying wish to be able to make a meal plan and follow it for the week. It's never going to happen, ever. Like, it will never happen. I cannot get it together enough to, like, make a meal plan and then follow that meal plan for for the week. Um, but um, I wish I could, but it's it's just not a it's not a reality for anybody at this point. Um, well, wait, though. Like, is that a when we're talking specifically, you might have this plan, right? Like, okay, this is what we're doing Monday. This is what we're doing Tuesday. Are you saying that it's not followed through because of your executive function or is it not followed through because maybe Oliver really dug this food yesterday, but like from a textural standpoint, it's a fucking no today or is it like a combination of both? And so a textural issues are, are just are not going to be day to day for him at least or for me. It's a, just a hard no, like in terms of textural issues um for me uh, for me being able to not being able to plan a meal uh, plan for the week or like do grocery shopping for the week like it's very piecemeal because of my executive functioning issues um and then like also having to remember like Oliver will not eat mashed potatoes he will literally gag and vomit uh like and has because I forgot he didn't like mashed potatoes and right. served the mashed potatoes and being trying to be a good kid, he was eating them and then literally gagged and puked on well, his food. And so. so I think that it's really important to mention this part, you know, like the not that being on this spectrum is necessarily glamorous, but you and I have talked several times about how in the past it has been looked at as you know, um, a disability, and uh, you and I both agree that no, no, thank you, no, ma'am. No, no, thank you. It's my superpower. It's Holly's superpower too, big time. Like, I think that like talking about some of the fallout of what it might look like, because I do have a cousin that is also on the spectrum, and I experienced that growing up as a kid. Um, you know, walking him with textural issues and not being diagnosed yet. Right. And and watching him struggle and, you know, color specific and textural. Oh, yeah. Yep. And and I think that that is when you're talking about being around somebody, especially, you know, this dynamic of like parent and child um, mealtime shenanigans like, are already a fucking nightmare, right? Like, nobody, Spectrum or not, nobody is trying to fuck around at mealtimes, right? Like, we're all just trying to, like, feed ourselves, feed our kids, and, like, move on. We don't want to deal with the pickiness. We don't, and you know how lucky I am, and I have said this two billion times. You're so lucky. She's so good. She eats everything. She eats everything and she always has and it's never been a fucking issue and just like if that's the hill that I get to die on, I'll gladly die tomorrow to be real honest with you because I know the struggle spectrum or not of what it looks like around mealtime shenanigans, but I think that there's an added layer when it's compounded with this is why I'm experiencing the fallout of like mealtime shenanigans. Yeah. 
And also, I think so too. I mean, he has a visceral reaction to certain things, and it's right. just it's, you can't you can't be like, no, you have to eat everything on your plate or else, like yeah. you know, like how my mom and dad were with me. Like I was like, okay, so, yeah, but like that was so many of our experiences as children oh, yeah. was like clean your plate. You're going to eat everything, okay? And this is like, you know, way before we were having the kinds of conversations that we're having now about, you know, folks on the spectrum. And I just, I'm like, man, number one, thank fuck we've come at least as far as we have so far because I just can't even imagine, like, not knowing that that's something that your child is experiencing. But yeah. then like the fallout from that and like the guilt that you could potentially feel of like I was making my kid, you know, eat all of X, Y, Z because that's what I thought I needed to do when really they like physically cannot, you know what I'm saying? Right. I think like my mom, like, so, so that's something like a badge that like, I think I still wear a little bit, like with, with my parents, like I was always the difficult one and right. so a lot of the like the the uh kind of behaviors that I was expressing that made me the difficult one was like you know being extremely blunt with my language which I still am like I can't really help it like that's just how I process things um and having like a ton of energy I know weird I can't imagine <laughs> um but like you know like ha- having you know um issues with certain foods, having issues with certain textures, with certain clothing, um, you know, like, I was always like, oh, this is the, you know, she's just being mispressed, like, having to have, like, soft clothes, like, because scratchy textures freak me out, and, like, I will literally have a terrible day if, like, the texture of something is freaking me out. You know, like, me in my soft sweatpants, like, I, I, like, literally will wait, like, a child on Christmas morning at the dryer for my sweatpants to come out. So, like, it's, you know, for me, like, that, those are the things that kind of marked me, like, even just within my family as a weirdo, like, from the beginning, and now I realize, as I because again I was diagnosed as only as an adult, I only realized that I was even autistic when I had a child that was, and I was like, wait, I'm, I relate to so many, so many things. Hold on. And I know, and so I'm like, oh, that's why I'm terrible at these things. And, like, it really did open, like, for instance, I don't really take advantage of any uh, any resources because I'm autistic. Like, I just am. Right. So, but it, what the diagnosis brought to me is, like, in the ability to walk away from certain things and certain guilt that I had as the child of parents that didn't understand who I was. Right. Um, and that's very much, like, what I am trying to avoid with my son Um, and, uh, you know, trying to make sure that he does feel understood and that I do get it. And, like, we have a lot of conversations, especially especially around food, where I break down, like, I totally understand that it feels weird in your mouth, it makes you have a feeling that you don't like and you don't have to do it. Like, and whereas I, like you said, like, a lot of people, and I am 40, so... 
Um, <laughs> say, go ahead and say it out loud. Um, so, but like a lot of people in my generation, like, did not get that, you know. And also, like, it wasn't really understood at that point either. So even if there were accommodations for somebody that wasn't neurotypical, um, it was definitely like the the scarlet letter, like you know, oh, you have to go to this, like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, so, like, for Oliver, like, he, you know, um, has certain things uh, that he is allowed to do at school because he has certain needs, like, you know, his energy needs to go in certain places, so, um, you know, and I think that in terms of, you know, making sure that he is understood, especially, like, food is just something that, is at the center of our lives, right? Like it needs you and for for necessity, but also like I grew up in an Italian household. I was involved in the kitchen from a very, very young age with my grandmothers and uh, my great grandmother even and my mom. And so like, you know, it very much is the center of our cult, my culture as an Italian, um, you know, it's very, very food centric. And so, you know, that's how I know how to express my love to people. It's how I know, you know, that I can have a freedom and feel creative. And I do want Oliver to feel that, but also, like, he's not who I, who, he's not me. Like, so he's like me, but he's not me. And so there are certain, like, push and pull moments, like you were saying earlier, that I think especially in the kitchen, um, you know, do validate certain things for him, but I can tell, like, he's not as into it as I was or am, um, and that's okay. Like, I'm totally okay with that. Like, he no, doesn't like, need to be. We don't know what, nobody ever knows, I mean, who knows? Like, maybe Oliver, like, becomes a great chef someday, and maybe the irony of, like, what I do and how much I cook and the fact that my business is cooking and baking related maybe scarlet is like fuck this i'm sustaining <laughs> off of quesadillas i made in the microwave forever i mean you just never know right but I know yeah. well, i'm likely but yeah maybe <laughs> i feel like um you know i'm so lucky to to be able to know you and love you and know and love your family the way that I do. And it's been such a perspective thing for me. And, you know, like we said before, uh, I've never thought that like knowing you or communicating with you has ever been um, burdensome. I think that our friendship and, and our working relationship has taught me a lot about um, myself and also what it is like to keep company with somebody that maybe um, is on different, the front, you know, yeah. and, but like, I mean, it's always been such a blessing. And I think that Oliver and Iggy are both so lucky to have you as their mama in and out of the kitchen. And um, I'm glad that you hung out with me and did this with me. So thank you. Yeah, me too. I'm sorry if it was meandering. But, you know. I mean, um, anybody ever listen to this podcast ever again? <laughs> we're explaining things bottom <laughs> top. Um, I think that, you know, it would be cool to possibly, you know, if you're listening to this and you have, um, 
may be specific questions for Lara, um, you can always email me and I can get them to her and connect y'all. But other than that, yeah, like I said, I'm grateful that we got to do this. And I'm so glad that you brought this up as an option. I think that it has been, regardless of whether or not it's fucking meandering, I think it's insightful. Amen. And that's the whole point. Amen. Yeah, I'm very um, excited to... And feel very grateful to, of course, have you in my life, but I'm also excited to, you know, participate and bring a little bit of um, perspective to, you know, and I think that this is a very weird uh, um, area in terms of I don't think a lot of people talk about, you know, how different it can be, you know, being a little bit, you know, neurodivergent and, and in the kitchen. It's a different it's kind of a different topic. I really haven't heard very haven't much either. about That's it. That's why you brought it up and said something. I think that it's, I think that it was a great idea and I'm glad that we got to do this. So, uh, Yay. yeah, let's, uh, let's think of some more reasons why we can make our relationship and friendship food adjacent so that we can do this again. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, Sounds good. I'll talk to you in about four seconds when we hang up the phone and we start talking about work again. Okay. Yay. Bye. Bye.